episode 228 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. Fly with Garmin Avionics, then grab your mobile device and make the Garmin Pilot app your cockpit companion. Get advanced functions you'll use before, during, and after every flight, including updating your aircraft's databases and logging engine data, plan, file, fly, log with Garmin Pilot. Pilot the Pilot is brought to you by the Finer Points. These guys are constantly adding content to the Ground School app. Check it out at learnthefinerpoints.com. AV Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Today's episode is a day in the life. I did this a couple months ago and it seemed to go pretty well. I am in this position where I need to do it again. So I don't have an interview scheduled. Uh, Life of the baby, uh, renovating a house essentially, and uh, a wife starting residency has proven a little difficult. So we're working out the schedule, trying to make sure everything works out. Um, I'm hoping to start more interviews here soon. Just got to figure out the best time to to get those done. So today is going to be a day in the life. Next week will most likely be an Ask Me Anything. And then hopefully after that, I'll be able to to get it all done. Some exciting news is happening. By the time you're listening to this, a couple days later, make sure you're following Pilot to Pilot. We will be doing my dad's final flight. So uh, my dad is retiring from American Airlines. He has had a career. Uh, That's the easiest and nicest way to say it. He started with Piedmont Airlines and has followed it all the way up to American. He is currently flying the 319, 320, 321, and he was previously episode number 100. But this is his last flight on June 30th or June 29th. Yeah, June 30th is his last flight. He's turning 65 on July 2nd, and he will no longer be able to fly for the airlines. Now, who knows in the future that's going to move up to 67. I've been seeing rumblings of that, but it doesn't look like my dad will be able to make that. But I will say I'm incredibly thankful for my company for letting me move my schedule around so I can make that flight as it's going to be my dad's last flight, but it's also going to be my son's first flight. So a lot going on in that day, a lot of emotions for, for everyone, especially my dad, as he just loves to fly. And I'm hoping maybe I can get him at the company I'm working at. So we'll see. But I know you don't really care too much about that. Make sure you're paying attention to Pilot the Pilot so you can if you do care. But without any further ado, here is today's episode of A Day in the Life. Aviation, a day in the life, take two. Today, I'm going to be talking about international trips because my first week back in 35 days from vacation, I had immediately two international trips and I was not in the right headspace, let's put it that way. Uh, and when I say that is not for flying, but just I didn't know if I brought my passport. Uh, we just moved into a new house. I'm out of all my routines. I don't have my license plates set up for North Carolina. I don't have a parking pass for Raleigh, Durham, where I'm parking. So it was all messed up. I had to take an Uber at 5 a.m. to get to the airport uh, and take my airline down to Orlando, Florida. We met up with the plane in Orlando and they had a whole day planned for us. Uh, but the plane did not get out of maintenance. So the plane had some extended maintenance that they needed to do on it to get it ready for us to fly. And they were able to find us a trip the next day. Uh, getting to the airport at about 8 a.m. for a 9.30 departure to go over to San Andros Island over in the Bahamas. Uh, If anyone's ever been there before, it is an uncontrolled field in the Bahamas. And uncontrolled field in the Bahamas can sometimes be very, very interesting. So you really want to make sure you're doing all the pre-work that you can do. Now, one of the biggest questions that I get when it comes to this company is, do you do your own dispatching? Do you do all your own work? And the the answer to that is no, we do not. We do more work than airline pilots, but we also 
have a lot of help. So we're not up there with Garmin Pilot uh, calculating everything, although I do use that as a backup and highly recommend you use uh, an EFB as a backup, dry Garmin Pilot, shameless plug. But I do my own backups. I make sure I look at everything else. And we also have the JEP app, which is what our company uses and most professional aviation companies will use for, for flight planning, for documents, for company-specific uh, items and documents that they can store in there as well. But we went ahead and had this flight. So with our company, they gave us an hour and a half show go. And what show go means, hour and a half of a show. A show means you have to show at this location that the company wants you to show at this specific time. We take our phones. We have a button that says check in. We have four selections to choose from, whether you're home, uh, on the road, at the hotel, at the airport, at the FBO, whatever. Maybe I can't remember all right now on my phone in my head, but we have four options. You choose the one that's there. And it's usually say to yet that day it was show at the FBO. And the FBO was a Cessna Service Center or in Orlando, Florida. Where we went to go pick up the plane. Now, when a plane comes out of maintenance, that is, I'm sure you've heard this before, and is the I've never heard a more true statement. You need to check everything as well as you possibly can. Uh, whether you are flying a 182, 172, light sport, archer, icon, whatever it is. Do not become complacent in your pre-flight because the professionals or because mechanics have been on your plane. Sometimes they flip switches, they don't flip back on. Uh, and that's not a professionalism issue that I'm bringing up. It's just it's the truth. You know, They work long days too. They have fatiguing days. Uh, they have specific timelines that they have to get stuff done. And maybe sometimes they can forget to, to flip a few switches. Maybe sometimes they can forget to connect the, the engine door uh, on the engine, the engine cowling. Uh, it has been done. Maybe they missed one screw. So it is something that you definitely want to make sure. And it could be as little as just um, making sure the avionics buttons are flipped in the right spot, which they usually always are 100 times out of 100 on the latitude. But every once in a while, you know, you get in, you do your flows, you do a check, you know, catch it, and then you'll put it on. So that's why you need to make sure you're following those checklists, pull them out, because you will skip over stuff and complacency will get the best of you. But do a full, full, full walk around and checklist and check everything out before you go flying when a plane gets out of maintenance. Like I said, it doesn't matter if you're in a 172, you're flying a Dreamliner. You want to make sure you're checking it right. But anyways, pick up this plane. We do our very, very thorough pre-flight and we notice that everything's good. So we go on with our planning. Now, we can't pick up our clearance until 30 minutes uh, international. I don't know if it's an airline thing. I don't know if that's just a, a normal thing, but that's just how it is with us. So whenever they file our flight plan, so we have our own dispatch, we have our own international trip planning. Uh, my company's kind of ha has multiple sides to it. So it's really interesting. And I wish I could fully talk about it, but I can't. <laughs> Haven't gotten that approval yet. But we have a whole division over in Lisbon. Uh, and they handle everything on the Europe side. They handle all our international trip planning. And I'm pretty sure they have some people in our headquarters as well, where they uh, make sure that we have everything we need, whether it's overflight permits, whether it's uh, uh, doing anything that is necessary for this trip, vaccines. Uh, they kind of are the handlers in the company. And they make sure everything's set up, including handlers, APIS, customs, uh, everything, everything you could ever think about, any issue, they're the ones that are doing that. So once it gets approved by them, goes on to dispatch. Dispatch checks everything they need to check. They have uh, this whole computer program and they make sure we have the fuel, they make sure the weights work out, they make sure with the landing numbers, uh, and they just make sure everything's good to go. Then they will send us a packet of information. Uh, we can either print that or we can use it on our iPad or we can use our phone. Um, a lot of the, the younger pilots will use their phones. A lot of the older pilots will have a tree size of a brick, essentially of paperwork. Uh, on international flights, we do have to bring our flight release. So you do have to print off at least one sheet 
and it has to be signed at the top for any international flight that you have to do. Now, we got this probably two hours before. We couldn't get our clearance till an hour or 30 minutes before we we're going to take off out of Orlando for San Andreas or Andros. Probably should look that up before I started this, but I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> probably never been there, honestly. Uh, and I don't know why you would go, but we, uh, we're heading that way. So we're ferrying out. Uh, we were ferry point catering. What ferry point catering means is that we cannot get catering in the airport that we are flying to to pick up our passengers. So we need to bring that catering from where from where we are faring to. Makes sense, very point catering. So we picked up that catering, made sure it was correct. Uh, most of the time, catering, it's hit or miss. You know, you could uh, have something that doesn't look as good as it should. You could have something that maybe is missing or maybe they give you too much of something. Actually, in this case, it was really funny. They gave us all the alcohol uh, from another plane. <laughs> that was for some other account that was getting ready to leave. Uh, I see the FO running over and he's like, whoa, 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 I think you might have our alcohol. And I was like, yes, we do. And it was a pretty good amount of alcohol. So I'm glad that we could save the day for them and make sure we didn't take off with that. Uh, but everything, everything well, it comes in a cooler and then we put it in the latitude and the latitude has uh, cooled shelving units that we have in there. Uh, they open up and the doors push into the actual galley. Um, all of our planes are different than any other latitude. We have a wider galley. Uh, some latitudes have a wider couch. We chose to have a bigger galley. Now, there might be other planes that have that as well, but for my company specific, we have every single plane will look the same. Uh, same paint job, same interior, same everything. Uh, so we have a bigger galley. So everything's logged up in there. Um, and then we make sure everything's looking good. We do our flight plans. We did our intensive walk around and checklist like we talked about. And then we go from there. So now it's 30 minutes to go time and we are able to get our clearance. We go over all the points. Uh, we also go over go over any kind of factors. We do have our briefings and we see any threats that we have, whether that's weather, whether that's an uncontrolled field in the Bahamas that we're not familiar with, the runway length, field conditions. Um, sometimes these smaller airports uncontrolled can be less than ideal. Uh, I've had a couple where there's been like legit trees uh, on the, the 100 foot runway or the 100-foot-wide runway, or the 100-foot-wide runway was 100 feet wide in 1965, but now it's 2022, and it's 75 feet wide, and there's trees and grass everywhere. So I've seen that as well, and that's always fun when the latitude has a 73-foot-long wingspan and makes life pretty interesting. <laughs> but this airport was good. You know, I think there was some wear and tear on the edges of the runway, but it's nothing the latitude can't see, can't handle, can't take care of. Let's take a break from today's episode to hear from our sponsor, RAA. You know, as pilots, we're hardwired to focus on what's directly in front of us in the moment. The flight plan, the forecast, ensuring the plane lands smoothly. So it's no wonder that things like your own financial plan can be easy to lose sight of. And I am very guilty of this as well. Our partner, RAA, gets it. That's why they asked me to invite you to participate in a short online survey at raa.com slash pilot to pilot. By answering a few questions, you'll be sharing valuable opinions that can benefit fellow pilots while also getting real-time results showing how your own money management approach compares to your peers and colleagues. Let me tell you, it's a great way to start thinking about your financial outlook beyond your final touchdown on the tarmac. So do me a favor and take a minute to chime in at raa.com slash pilot to pilot. You'll be glad you did and other pilots will be as well. Again, that's raa.com slash pilot to pilot. With high-resolution coast-to-coast composite radar and cloud-to-cloud, cloud-to-ground lightning updated every 2.5 minutes along with always available weather products like METARs, ECOTOPS, and StormTracks, Sirius XM lets you fly confidently knowing that your weather information is available at 500 feet or at your destination 500 miles ahead. Check out aopa.org forward slash Sirius XM to get a two-month free trial 
to try these products out for yourself. Now back to today's episode. This was my first landing in 34, 36 days. So it was, as you know, every time you get back, you always have in the back of your mind, you're just a little bit more heightened. So to me, I think the first landing is usually the best. And after that, you kind of have that next flight and you're like, what the heck? So I took the first flight, we flew over, we went over all the threats. Uh, we kind of had a good idea what's going on. There's company notes and everything. So we knew what to expect. We knew to park, we knew who our handler was and the company sets up all the handlers. And that's just someone that is in the country that makes sure that they have communicated with with their ATC, with their customs, with everything like that. And they handle anything. If there's ever a problem, you go to your handler and you make sure that, and they will take care of everything. So we're doing that. Uh, we go there. We're there for an hour and a half show go again. So this time we don't have to check in with anything, but we land there and we have about an hour and a half on the ground running the APU, see a lot of Aztecs, a lot of old Caribbean planes, which is, is pretty wild. Uh, every once in a while, I can't remember what airport is, but you will be flying on base to final and there's like a, an old Aztec that crashed. Uh, there's like, look, it's, it's pretty wild. It's bare bones, man. Might be bones of pile. I don't know. It's crazy. But this one wasn't like that. Uh, we waited for our passengers. There were some issues with the handling there. They didn't know we were coming, but they did. So they kind of played some games, but we got all taken care of. Uh, our passengers showed up and we flew them back to Dallas Love. We went to Customs Dallas Love and it was packed, 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 packed. Uh, and Dallas is packed. Dallas Love is down a one run right now. Well, southwest of corporate, it gets pretty interesting, especially when they're going to close the corporate side runway. Well, when I say corporate side, I mean the one closest to all the corporate uh, FBOs and hangars. Uh, that will be even more of a mess. But with Dallas Love, and then um, that was pretty much it. It was really kind of a chill flight. Uh, it was about 45 minutes from MCO to San Andreas, and then it was probably two and a half to Dallas Love. There wasn't much turbulence to work with. Um, we have a life raft on the plane at all times, so we can fly over all water and not have to worry about getting a life raft. Do uh, good briefings on that with our life vest, with everything, a water barrier on the airplane, and how to exit the aircraft in the case of an emergency. Um, but yeah, it, it was good. It's always fun to go to the islands. It's always fun to see it. It's fun to see that crystal blue water. Um, it's a lot of fun. But what makes this interesting is that at the end of our tour, on our go-home day, they decided to send us to Costa Rica. <laughs> We were in uh, we were in Chicago, and we were going to ferry down to Houston the next morning, and then go down to Costa Rica. I'm, we were heading to Costa Rica. Uh, I have been to Costa Rica one time with this company. I went to Liberia, Costa Rica, which is farther west and a little bit closer to the water. Uh, we used to stay at a resort down there, but they just built a beautiful, absolutely pristine Hilton Garden Inn right by the airport. So that's where we stay there now. But this time we were going to the, the main city there. I think it's San Juan we were going to. Uh, we <laughs> Same thing as before. You know, you get an hour and a half before you go on all international, get your clearance 30 minutes before. Our passenger showed up relatively early, right when everything was, was finished, right? When customs was done, uh, we have a passport scanner app, which is really cool that connects to our phone and it's on our application on our company. We scan their passport. It makes sure everything is correct on our phone and our database and what customs has. And I'll flag us if anything's wrong and we can make the changes we need right then and there. Uh, we fly down to Costa Rica. And if anyone knows about Costa Rica this time of year, it is not the best time to be flying an airplane in that area. The morning time, absolutely beautiful. But the afternoon, specifically when we were coming in, it was a hot, hot mess. Uh, Air France was ahead of us and they went around while we were coming in. And they tried to give us a hold and they said, never mind. Uh, First of all, I want to say kudos to the controllers. They were great. Um, there were some tricky 
conditions. Uh, we were using our, unfortunately, our Sirius XM weather wasn't working. And that's not a bad on Sirius XM. That is just a fact. When we get outside of the United States, we only pay for the United States. So we're going back to, to bare bones onboard weather radar. And when you don't use it necessarily as much, you kind of lose the ability to uh, get your tilt correct all the time. And the guy I was flying with, he was great with it. We had a good tilt, uh, but we're surrounded by the mountains. So it makes it even trickier in what you can see. Um, but when I say it was raining, it was like a waterfall of rain on our windshield. And our windshields don't have windshield wipers. We have kind of like Rain-X. There's probably a more specific, or maybe it's just Rain-X and they slap aviation on it, inspected by the FAA and good to go. I don't know. But we have a Rain-X coating essentially on our windshield. And that is supposed to get all the water off. Um, and But when it was raining this hard, it was very, very difficult to see. We were we were able to, to clearly get the runway in sight and it was no issue whatsoever. Safety was... By all means, we could have gone around and come back in and tried again, but it was no issue whatsoever. We got the airport or the approach lights right at minimums, and we got the runway right at minimums as well. So we we're able to come on in and land. Anyone else has heard about this Costa Rican airport? It is where DHL had their emergency spun off the runway and cracked the plane. So I was rolling out to look over and I see a half broken DHL airplane. I was like, no way. Never thought in a million years I'd actually see that or land at the airport that that's at. Uh, but we, we're going to land. Um, Costa Rica was was great. Um, the tower told us to go. We taxi, we go to the FBO, park you in the middle of nowhere. It's not like American FBOs where you just get out of the plane and start walking. Customs comes out. They see you, check your passports. They spray stuff, uh, pesticide in the baggage compartment. And, and then you go into the FBO from there. And I don't even go in the FBO. They will drive you to the FBO, which for this airport seemed like it was a pretty good distance away. Um, we were, we needed to get some fuel. Our company wants us to have 5,000 pounds of fuel because the latitude can jump chocks and not only jump chocks, but the latitude's nose wheel will also spin pretty much freely when there's high winds and there were some high winds and it was heavy rain. So they wanted to make sure we get the fuel, but the FBO <laughs> refused to fuel us. That's how bad the weather was. He laughed at us. He goes, Oh no, sir. We are not feeling you today. He said, it doesn't matter if you have a trip going out. It's like, we are not fueling you or are we fueling your airplane? And we did not have enough fuel to go anywhere else. So there we were in Costa Rica, which was planned for the night. But if we did another trip, we weren't going to be able to leave. Um, and another cool thing about this company is we have an aviation security team. So this security team has briefs. They uh, make sure they set up all of our ground transportation. They go look into every single hotel. They give us a packet of briefs. Uh, and in our, in our app that we have, we click on security briefing and we can read all about the city we're staying in, the crime rate, uh, how to blend in, what to do, um, things to stay away from, things to be on the lookout for. And Costa Rica was, there wasn't too much in there that was worrisome, but they decided to, it's a lot of uh, places that we go to where they'll actually give you an armed guard. So it's pretty intimidating when you walk out and you see an armed guard with a, a gun strapped to him and like a security vest and, um, a bulletproof vest driving your car into Costa Rica <laughs> in our hotel. Our hotel is not too far from the airport and it was a beautiful hotel. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw it. It was great. Uh, it had a, a good restaurant and there was not too many restaurants. There was a lot of restaurants really close by, but we weren't able to go to them because it was raining so hard and we didn't want to get soaked. Um, another cool thing is we have the choice. Uh, this might be confusing, but I don't think it is. We have the choice to choose between per diem on international trips, or we can go on international receipts. Now, international receipts, I don't always remember the exact amount, but you have the ability to get enough money for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I believe it's like $30 
for breakfast, maybe $40, $50 for lunch and $80 for dinner. Now you can go over if you have to, just based on how prices are in that country. Uh, But you have the ability to do that or you have the ability to stay in receipts. Now you need to make this choice the night before you leave for your international trip. If you go off per diem, as soon as you take off for your international destination, you are no longer getting paid your per diem rate per hour. You are now on international receipts. So there is some times where this can really burn you. If you're on uh, receipts at all time, you take off from Houston, you go to Costa Rica, and then you immediately come back when you thought you were going to stay in Costa Rica, then you just lost out on probably eight or seven hours of per diem. Uh, You're not going to get paid for that per diem because you were able to use a company card to go get food if you wanted to. Uh, So (laughs) a lot of people will find a local restaurant, go get the food, and then come back and blast off. Or you play the game of trying to switch your, your phone app to make sure that you can get it where you want it. And you can switch before the night before. You can either get per diem or you can do receipts. I'm usually always on receipts because I've been burned before where I've seen the guys I'm flying with eating a full spread and I'm over there <laughs> eating a peanut butter and jelly because I didn't get any food. No, I really, I want to eat a peanut butter and jelly, but you get the idea. Um, this this is pretty much the end of the day in life of that. So that was good. Uh, oh, wait, no, this does continue. It's the same day. We had a 7 a.m. mountain time show in Costa Rica. It was my go home day. And I have to be home by midnight at all times. So if you get on your last day, if you get home on your last day at midnight 01 the next day, then you get a pretty good paycheck out of that. So that actually happened with me. <laughs> the company, uh, I had to go from Costa Rica to, where did we land? We landed from Costa Rica to Naples. And then I took a car from Naples to RSW. RSW decided to have a freak show of a thunderstorm for about two and a half hours. My flight was delayed four hours. And then I flew to Charlotte. It was a beautiful flight. All the thunderstorms finally went away. I uh, got into Charlotte. I had a connection flight from Charlotte to RDU. I was on that flight. That was going to get me on at 11.59. That means if that plane would have gotten to the gate at 11.59, I would have not gotten, even if it gotten there at midnight, I would have not gotten any extra money. But we boarded the whole plane. It was a packed flight from Raleigh to Charlotte. Uh, 11, get there at 11.59 and they call up and say, hey, there's a maintenance issue with this plane. This plane's not going anywhere tonight. But we do have another plane. I had the choice at that time to, I could get a hotel and go back the next morning, but I really needed to go home because my wife was going to residency the next day or starting her residency and I needed to watch Emmett. So I was prepared to drive a car at 1 a.m. if I had to because I absolutely had to get home. But the airline got me home. I think we landed at 1.15 in the morning and after getting an Uber, at 1.15, I got home around 2, 2 a.m. So it was quite the day. Uh, it was a good day. Uh, hopefully, that paycheck will be worth it, but it was, a, it was a good time. That's about a wrap on a day in the life. If you enjoyed these, let me know. Send me a DM and Pilot the Pilot. Check out Pilot's Coffee. I said in the last one, uh, we should be ordering soon. We had a little hiccup. Uh, we're going to be getting that out soon. So hopefully, we'll be ordering that sooner than later. Uh, stay in the know. Uh, follow Pilot's Coffee, Pilot the Pilot. Uh, let me know your Osh plans. I'm still working those out. Hopefully be going the first couple of days of Oshkosh. Got to work out daycare. And once again, that whole res- residency schedule, man, it's uh, <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, Christina's killing it and so proud of her and happy uh, to be back down in North Carolina with the sunshine. Uh, what was missing Chicago with my direct flights because now Raleigh is probably going to be a two-stopper no matter where I am or pretty close to everywhere I go. So Aviation, I hope you enjoyed this and I really, really appreciate your time. So I hope everyone's having a great day. And as always, happy flying.